So this evening I wanted to share with you about the rhythm of rest. Now, for those of you who were here last month, um, I've just really felt this year um, for Vision Women, and that's both through our evening meetings and our fortnightly daytime meeting, that um, the theme for our year is Rhythms for Life. Now, um, if you, we do have a podcast for Vision Women, so if you want to catch up on that, you can have a listen to it. But basically, it's you might call them habits or intentions, things that you do in your life that cultivate health and vitality in our physical body, in our emotions and in our mind and in our spiritual life and in our relationships. And um, the idea of these rhythms, there are four overarching broad rhythms that we're going to kind of keep touching on and going through this year because we need all four of these in various forms in our life. Um, but that we have two input rhythms. They are exactly as they sound, things that input into us, things that refresh and revitalise us, things that fill us up. So rest is the first of those input rhythms. The next one is restore, which is kind of looking more at rhythms that are kind of for physical and emotional restoration. Um, and then we've got two output rhythms, which are ways that we then give out from having been filled up. And those are connect. So that's relational. And I did talk about last time, I find the connection rhythm quite an interesting one because I feel like that also inputs into us if it's a healthy relationship. It'll be something that we get to give out and receive. But just that idea that when your tank is completely empty, we often start to be, find it more difficult to look outside of ourselves. So if we've got those input rhythms healthily in our life, then the ability to look for connection and to build relationship with others and to find ways to outreach um, are much more sustainable. And then the fourth output rhythm is create. And that's much more broad than... Um, I used to think of create anyway, but it's using the gifts and the talents and the skills that God has given us, partnering with him again as an output. And so for some people, that will be entrepreneurial things or business running, or you'll be using that in your in marketplace, sort of where you, where you work. Um, for other people, it might be how they beautifully run playgroups or... Um, or use it in art, and um, and so it's it's a much broader category than um, uh, than I would have usually defined. I used to not think of myself as creative, but I've felt challenged about that. Anyway, this evening we're starting with rest, and it's a very there's a that's purposeful because in fact I believe it's the first rhythm that. God established when he established these rhythms with mankind. That, that in terms of the rhythm of work and rest and demonstrating that to Adam and Eve as the first humans in the garden of just that rhythm of work but sustained by rest. Um, and so, I mean, I've had an interesting journey with the idea of rest in my life. You probably have too. And, and I have to say that sometimes when people talk about the need for rest, all it actually does is make me 
feel like groaning. Because <laughs> like, yeah, great, good, lovely idea. Um, and I mean, I have had seasons in my life where what that looks like is I just need to get enough sleep. I just, that's all, that's all that I would be able to think about in terms of what rest might look like in my life. And although I no longer have young children who keep me up, I probably have teenagers who do now, um, but there are still days where I would like to hide from my responsibilities from, from the world and not get out of bed and just have a few more hours. Um, but... When I think about rest in its much broader context, if I'm honest, the times that I'm most likely to start thinking about my need for rest is when I've come face to face with my own limitations. The point at which some people call that, well, certainly as runners, we call that the hit the wall moment. So the point at which you hit the wall where you just, there's nothing left, I may then at that point start to think about my need for rest and I think there's lots of reasons for that as women I'm not going to commentate on what that's like for men because I'm not a man but as women um, I think that we're often juggling a lot of different things I think that we live in a world that often measures um, our worth by how much time and energy has been expended um, and kind of by an output and throughput kind of uh, measure. And that I think that even as Christian people in the church, that can be expressed in our lives just as easily within the context of spiritual pursuits and our desire to serve and please God and almost falling for the lie, which is what I think it is, that God measures our success and effectiveness in the same way that the world might measure it. Um, Richard Swenson has written this excellent book, which I read quite a few years ago. It's called Margins. And he says that in our vain attempts to do everything we live our lives stretched to our limits. And he puts forward in his book Margins this idea that margins are the space that exists between us and our limits. So margin in our life is the space that exists between us and our limits. It's something that's meant to be held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations, enough energy left over to deal with things that we didn't expect. But what he says in this book is that we live our lives so full that we actually live marginless. We don't live with any margin whatsoever. And so as soon as something unexpected happens, we've, we've no room. We are face-to-face -face with our limits constantly and his assertion is that that actually leads to a chronic state of ill health emotionally physically and relationally I guess one of the things that I've grappled with and I really want to speak as a truth like really as a declaration over us this evening is that we should feel no shame for needing rest 
We were created with the need for rest. And that rest being physical, but also that rest in our souls. Like we are designed and meant to have rest. And we shouldn't just simply be thinking about rest when we've hit the wall. Like rest, and I guess that's the idea of a rhythm of rest, is that we're looking to cultivate a rhythm of rest um, through, throughout our life, not just when we're face-to-face with our limits. The intended purpose of rest is to refresh and to recharge us. Um, rest gives us a physical break from the chaos that sometimes life is. Rest gives us emotional downtime from our worries and our concerns. And rest also provides or creates more space for God in our lives and for him then to restore our soul and bring life. So we may all know that we need rest. Like I, I don't think that that would be a new concept for any of us. But as I said at the beginning, just in that feeling that sometimes we get when people say, well, you should get more rest. If life, if you're running hard and you, um, metaphorically speaking, and you're perpetually tired, then actually even working out what we might need and how on earth we create space for rest actually can sometimes just feel like another thing to do. And... I guess what I want to do this evening is not necessarily look at prescriptive things around, well, what should you be doing to get rest into your life? I, I don't, I, we're all different. We're all in different stages of our life. Um, you know, I think when we think about rest, we do often think about specific actions. How can we better schedule things? It, are we managing our diaries properly? We might think about rest in terms of physical spaces, um, be that in our home or outside. We may think about practical things like how to get better sleep or ways to find some uninterrupted time. We might think about things like activities that feel refreshing and how to monitor our spiritual disciplines and whether we are managing those in our lives. And I th those practical considerations are really important. But really what I want to do this evening is just think a little bit more broadly so that I'm not being prescriptive. Really what I'd like to do is just talk about what are some of the principles that help us establish or guard and protect rhythms for rest? What are just some broader ideas that apply for us actually regardless of where we're at in life and what our current season looks like? So the first principle that I want to start with is that real rest is only found in and with God. So um, St. Augustine famously said this. It's a quote that I've always loved. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. 
And obviously rest, when we're talking about resting in God, has um, some very foundational principles around it in that we can rest as ones who know Jesus because we know that we've been saved and set free by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So at a foundational level, we can rest and live at peace with the Father because of what Jesus did for us. Um, and that's part of what um, St. Augustine um, is saying, but I think it's only a part of it. Um, there is still an aspect that comes through our relationship with God and on an ongoing basis, not just simply at the point of salvation, where real rest can only be found in and with God. Um, Psalm 46.10 is a very well-known um, um, scripture. Um, lots of precious people have it on things like their cups. And it says, be still and know that I am God. And I mean, this is a scripture that we obviously know very well. But the thing that I wanted to point out here is that word still in the Hebrew, it means to cease striving, to relax and to let it drop. That's actually what that Hebrew word means. So one translation reads, cease striving and recognize I am God. He is God. I am not. Therefore, I can rest. And in Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3, again, very familiar passage to most of us, it says that he leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. That's a different word, the still in this word, um, sorry, in this passage is a different Hebrew word and it means a resting place. And so again, it's this idea of, so cease from striving, relax, let it drop. That's one meaning for still. And then this um, word in he leads me beside still waters, it means resting place. And what really struck me about both of these short little familiar scriptures is that both these scriptures place God in the driver's seat of our life rather than us being in the driver's seat. So be still and know that I am God. We can rest because he's God and we are not. And he leads me. He's the one who leads me beside quiet waters. He is my resting place. He leads me into rest. Um, and so the invitation to rest, if we kind of put that concept together, is to cease from striving, allow him to be God in our lives, and for him to be our resting place and for him to lead us and restore our souls. Like I love that there is, I'm not saying we're responsibility free here, but when we make it all about us and what we can do, we sometimes even in that come face to face with our limitations. How do I find rest, God? There's so much swirling around me. I don't even know how to do that. 
And I think that Matthew 11, which we started with last month, um, and this is, again, a familiar passage, but I particularly love it in the message paraphrase. And I think it reflects the same invitation to allow God to be God in our life and to allow him to lead us and restore us. And I'll just read it to you again. This is Jesus speaking. and He says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think one of the other things that really strikes me about this is that we're not necessarily going to have it all sewn up. Like, not, you know, you don't become a Christian and then suddenly walk around um, completely knowing how to rest in Him. He's saying here, you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You'll learn this. Keep company with me. I'm going to teach you this. Hang out with me. That word, keep company, in. Um, in, in sort of um, the southern states of America, that actually was a dating terminology. So come keep company with me was two sweethearts going out on a date. So I've always loved that as a sense of this is an intimate invitation to us to hang out with him, that he knows what we need, um, that he desires to keep company with us and he knows that we're designed with the need for rest in him and with him and like for me that brings a just a moment to exhale like just a relief I I don't have to know even all the answers about how to rest I need to not try and even do it separate of him I need him even to know how to rest in my life and he is the bringer of rest into our lives he's the one who restores our soul so the second principle I just wanted to look at and there's lots of books great books written on this so I'm really these are just a few things but I want to talk about when we're talking about protecting the rhythm of rest in our life, I don't think you can avoid talking about boundaries and choices. At their basic level, boundaries define our personal property lines. They obviously keep really good things in and they keep bad things out. Um, But they also define, boundary lines define who we are and who we're not what is our responsibility and what is not. And again, a really important verse in my life has been Psalm 16 verses 5 and 6. And it says, Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And there's really just two things that I want to pull out of this that I think we can learn when it comes to boundaries and choices and protecting the rhythm of rest in our life. The first is that God has assigned us our portion and our cup, who we are and who we're not. And 
this scripture says that within this we're secure. Within what he's apportioned to us, the portion and the cup that he has given to each one of us, we are secure in that. He knows who we are. He knows how he's, he knows how he's made us. We don't have to compare ourselves. We don't have to um, be apologetic about who we are. Like, I, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I've thought, I really should just be a higher energy person. I should be able to manage more. And I just am not. Like, I actually have quite high sleep needs. You will regularly find me having a very quick nana nap. I'm a power nap queen um, in, on, a, in a, on an afternoon. Once I've got the girls home and they've had afternoon tea, I will just say I'm putting my head down for 20 minutes. It's all I need. But I, that's just me. I, and I don't feel like I have to be apologetic to the Lord about that. That's actually just how he's made me. And so that's the first thing, that he's assigned us our portion and our cup of who we are and who we're not. And then the second thing is, is that this, these two verses promise that the boundary lines he's drawn for us fall in pleasant places. He knows what he's doing if we will listen and ch- tune in to him. So how do our boundaries and choices impact our ability to cultivate and protect rest? Now, certainly other people can bust our boundaries. No doubt about it. We've all, I'm quite sure, experienced the impact of people in our lives who just can't quite accept a no or would really like to make us responsible for some of the problems in their life. But actually today, whilst I think that is learning how to deal with that in our lives is an important boundary issue, I actually want to focus more today on the enemy within us Like what about when we bust our own boundaries, when we take on something or shoulder a responsibility that was really never ours to bear, when we um, don't stay within that security and the portion and the cup that God has apportioned and assigned for us. There's a really descriptive phrase that one of um, my best friend's spoke to me about years and years ago. The girls were all very little. And she said, it's like the grace has just got a bit thinner. Now, bear with me. I'm not preaching theologically incorrect stuff. God's grace never gets thinner. Mine does. And so what does it look like in my life when the grace has got thinner? Well, I've lost my peace. I'm tired. I'm frazzled and over-anxious I tend to be feeling completely stretched to my limits and at that point I become very task-focused. I forget to smile and I forget what's important. And so I guess I find this idea of the grace getting thinner, it's almost like a warning sign in my life now. It's the way that I picture it. You know, if you've got... um, well, slime kind of does this for those people who've got kids who've been into slime or gl- glitter putty or things like that. As you stretch it, it gets more and more translucent and less kind of strong. And that's how I imagine when grace is getting thinner in my life. And it happens usually when 
I'm stretching myself way outside what God has actually asked me to do. And um, it sometimes happens when I've missed a transition in a season and I'm still trying to do something that really God's been telling me for a while that I need to let go of. So that's another time in my life when the grace starts to get a bit thinner. But it it's just that period of time in my life and it's like a warning light in the car to me that I need to actually step back and try and work out why am I feeling so stretched? How have I got have I lost margin in my life um, to just be able to remain a bit more gracious? It says in scripture that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Um, But I'm not sure that that includes things that we've said yes to that he had no intention of us putting on our plate. And so that for me is actually a time where if the supply is not there, then the grace is going to get thinner. Does that make sense? So things that you've thought that's a really good idea or what a great opportunity, but you've not really talked that through with the Lord in any way. And then halfway through you think wow this is not that things that God calls us to don't sometimes take a good deal of effort I'm not saying that at all but there is a difference there's a point at which you just feel like there's no grace for it is usually you need to do a bit of a check back in with the Lord and go have I said yes to something that you weren't meaning for me to say yes to Um, so for me I get myself into lots of trouble when I think well yeah I could do that and Years ago, a very wise friend of mine used to drill into me. She'd say, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. We make choices all day, don't we? And again, I think one of the sneaky ways that the grace gets thinner is that we make lots of little, seemingly little choices that end up just, yes, I'll do that, yes, I'll do that, yes, I'll do that, and before you know it, you're snowed under. So I just want to put before you, not again, I can't make the decisions for you about your boundaries and choices, and each of us will always have a little bit more on our plate or there'll be seasons in our life where we will have more on our plate than it feels like we've got time to do. Um, But I think that considering what season of life you're in is really important. I mean, the choices that I made when my girls were like toddlers and newborns is very different to the season of life having teenagers and ageing parents. Like the choices that I'm making now look actually different. And funnily enough, some of some things I've got more time for now and other things I've got less time than I did when the girls were little and I was at home full time. So... I've got to be very careful that I don't look at somebody else's life and think, well, they're doing blah, 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 blah. But in fact, different season, different set of circumstances. And then we can overload ourselves with our choices inadvertently because we're kind of trying to keep pace with somebody else and not staying within the boundary lines that God has apportioned to us. Does that make sense? 
So I think that being content in our own choices, I think having really good um, accountability with friends or a close family member who can sometimes help you sort through your yeses and nos can be a really helpful thing. Um, You know, I've got a few friends in my life who will talk about the grace looks like it's getting a little bit thinner, what's going on there. Maybe because I might have just bitten their head off. but um. All right, so that's boundaries and choices. And then I just want to talk um, finally about the thing, what I call the one thing principle. So when we're talking about cultivating rhythms of rest in our life, and in fact this year as we're looking at what does it look like to have health and vitality in our life, um, I want to talk about this one thing principle. So I wonder if you've ever found yourself um, berating yourself over many issues and things that need to be fixed in your life all at once. Um, It may sound something like this. I need to make more space for Jesus in my life and be more disciplined. I must pray and read the Bible and worship with music. I need to be a good hostess, feed the poor, keep my house spotless, spend time with the grandchildren, exercise more and, and, and. And what happens when we are trying to institute all of these things in our life all at once is that we will never ever be consistent like it's really hard if you're trying to change a whole lot of things all at once or you're just looking at all the areas of your life that you'd like to be establishing some healthier rhythms or establishing some rest patterns of rest in your life if you're constantly whacking yourself over the head with multiple things you're just never going to be consistent and I think it was a really priceless piece of wisdom to my life as a young mum that um, but I think has application whether you're talking about parenting or your physical health or trying to establish a new habit in your life or getting used to a new job or whatever it is that we look at one thing at a time and for me the passage of scripture that comes up for me a lot in this is the the story of Mary and Martha and you'll all be very familiar with that Um, but you know you've got Martha bustling about in the kitchen and getting very cranky that Mary's sitting down with Jesus and not helping and um, can't hide her frustration at all and ends up whinging to Jesus well you know it's not fair I'm doing all the work can't you send my sister Mary out to help me and there's this phrase that Jesus uses with Martha because she's not really just simply distracted about chores Jesus calls her out on it he says that she's overloaded and troubled about many things that's what he says about her you're troubled about many things And I think sometimes we can be troubled about many things and living a marginless life and trying to do too much or trying to fix too much. And this is what um, Jesus says to her. And I think she's an absolute picture of the grace having got a whole lot thinner is that's why she's... 
you know, she's, she's actually in this moment not doing what Jesus has apportioned for her. And he says this to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And this leapt off the page for me in a season of my life where I just really needed to be reminded that it's okay, one thing at a time, one thing at a time. Not 55 things, one thing is needed. I mean, there are many things that Jesus could have told her, and but he basically says to her, um, one thing is needed in this moment to meet her need for rest. Sending her sister out to the kitchen was not going to cut it. Jesus knew this. He knew what she needed. She needed to also come and sit at his feet, to be with him. And she had a choice in that moment. But we don't fully, the story doesn't fully tell us what she chose. But, you know, he met her griping tone about, my sister won't help me. He saw straight through that it's not fair, grace has got thinner moment and basically gives her an invitation. One thing, come and join your sister on the floor. Come and sit with me. I'll show you how to take real rest. Um, and, you know, she had a choice. She could have said, well, you don't understand. I've got to feed. There's 13 of you blokes here. I've got to, got to get lunch on the table. Um, you know, this isn't fair, humpy hump, and off she goes. But Jesus knew what the one thing she needed actually was in that moment. And so one of the things that as a result of that phrase, and God does, I don't know whether he does that for you, but there are just phrases that for me are almost like lifelong phrases that he will then use to remind me. So when I'm feeling overloaded and overwhelmed or very... Um, conscious of all the things that I'd like to fix in me, I might ask the question, God, what is the one thing that's needed here? Just give me the one thing. Like I don't want the 55 things that are running around in my head. What's the one thing? And I've often found that he is incredibly faithful if we'll take time to sit long enough to not only ask the question but to hear or to get a prompting or a sense from him about where to focus. And sometimes, to be honest, that will be practical things. Um, you know, most of us can't necessarily stop our lives and just... That's what I always used to think about Mary. I'm like, it was all very well for Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, floating around, and while somebody else got all the practical things done. Um, most of us can't just pause our life and go on a desert island for a week. Well, that would be nice sometimes. Um, but we can ask God, what's the one thing? What, what's something here, God? One thing. Give me one thing. What's the next right thing that, that would for me to do and for him to prompt us. I think that I guess what I really want to leave you with this evening is just a sense that as we talk about rest and regardless of where you're at in life or whether you can even imagine how you might start to carve out rhythms of rest and 
that may and will include practical choices that you make to, to create room and to, um, for your soul and um, just to, to actually get rest. But I guess the thing that I really want to leave you with this evening is that um, as we think about ways to establish these rhythms and to protect them in our life, it's actually a relief to realise that rest and creating space in our life for God is not contingent about everything else being silenced in our life and all the things that maybe make us busy stopping. I mean, for most of us, that would be a virtually impossible task if that's what it took for us to get rest. Um, but that actually we can in God find a place of stillness, a ceasing from striving, a resting place in him, actually in the interior parts of our life, to actually be known by him and to be with him wherever we are and whatever stage of life we're in, even in the midst of life. Um, and that we can respond to his invitation to live life with him and keep company with him. But I want to encourage you to have a think about what this looks like in your life. Like how, what's he saying to you? What, um, what's his invitation to you to allow him to lead you into rest without needing to stop absolutely the, everything that's going on around you, to actually find rest for your soul, for him to lead you beside still waters and to keep company with him, to be thoughtful about your boundaries and choices that help make room and space for that and um, to not beat yourself up and flog yourself about all the multiple 55 things that you're not doing and actually allow God to just whisper to you one thing that he's inviting you to right now in this season. So would you let me pray for you and then we're going to just finish with a song. <clears throat> Father, we just really want to acknowledge that as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless when they don't find their rest in you. God, we just want to acknowledge and quieten ourselves before you this evening. Recognising, God, the many moments in our life where the grace has got thinner simply because we're trying to do it on our own. Trying to be self-sufficient. Trying to fix ourselves trying to transform ourselves from the inside out, basically trying to do your job for you. And so, God, this evening, we want to respond to your invitation to cease from striving and know that you are God. God, we invite you just this evening but over this coming week in your tender loving kind and faithful way to speak to us God a 
are there boundaries and choices in our life, God, that we've busted, that have taken us outside of the portion and the cup that you've set aside for us? Knowing, God, that when we're within your boundary lines, it falls for us in pleasant places. Father, are we trying to do too many things at once? Again, relying on our own strength and our own abilities. Would you speak to us, Father? We just humble ourselves before you. We just ask, God, that you would be at work in each one of us. Lord, I ask for that for each woman here this evening. Lord, you would lead them beside still and quiet waters and restore their soul. That you would speak tenderly to them. That they would know that they are loved and cherished by you. And I thank you, God, that many times you get really practical with us. And so I ask, Father, that you would help us with those one things. Jesus' name.